series called Running the Race, and we're going through a, a number of things that will help us run the Christian race from the time that we're born again till the time that we see Jesus face to face in heaven. So the subject today is stewardship. Stewardship is, I guess before I said it's kind of a fancy word for giving, but it's more than just giving financially like we often talk. And as I was thinking about this subject for the past few weeks, a lot of scriptures have come to mind, a lot of thoughts, a lot of um, things, and I, I got them all written down and I got them all organized, and I thought uh, fitting this into a half hour is, uh, I mean, it's, it would be like me trying to fit into Brandon's jeans or something, because it's just not going to fit comfortably. So I drew a picture, and we're just going to kind of talk through the picture this morning and the scriptures to go with it. But really, where I'd like us all to get is a place that this five-year-old boy named Bo came to in a matter of, you know, probably 30 seconds or so. Caitlin used to be his nanny, and he came over to our house. He and his two brothers, he's five, his brothers, one's older, one's younger. And they came to our house to stay overnight so their parents could have a little peace and quiet, which doesn't usually happen when you've got five boys under the age of 10. And so we were having our devotions, family devotions, and the subject came up that everything belongs to God. And Bo, you know, went through a list of things and he says, my toys don't belong to God. I said, well, I think, you know, it, it, the, earth, the Lord says, everything is from him, you know, and it all belongs to me, God said. So I think, yeah, I think your toys belong to God. Well, that sucks. <laughs> it's like, well, at least he's honest, right? <laughs> and he thought for a moment, and then he, he looked back at me, and he said, but God lets me play with his toys. And I said, that's true, that's true. And that's where I hope we can all come to, you know, if we haven't already in our lives, that we can all come to that realization that it's not a bad thing that everything belongs to God because he lets us play with his toys, so to speak. And he's given us so much, and we have so much to be thankful for, and so much to give back to him and recognize that it's his. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank you for your word and for your spirit. Thank you for our brothers and sisters here this morning. And thank you for life and health. Just everything that we have, whether we're in abundance or whether we're in a time of need, that we have so much from you. I just pray that our mentality would be that it all is yours and that we would look to you to provide all that we need above what we could ask. Just pray for your blessing on our time together this morning as we open your word, that it would be useful, that it would, be, um, it would find a home in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first of all, we'll start with a definition. I think. There we go. What is stewardship? And basically it comes down to this. It's when a person looks after someone else's affairs or resources. So in other words, a steward is somebody that's kind of given charge of certain things to take care of for someone else. Pretty straightforward. And, and our kind of flagship verse this morning is going to be here in first, uh, Second Peter 4. First Peter 4. Hopefully I got that right. <laughs> Verses 10 and 11. And you can look that up if you want. I've got it on the screen. Um, 
but I'll just read it. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So right away it starts out as each has received a gift. So everybody sitting in this room has received a gift from God. And if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you put your trust in the work that he did on the cross for your salvation, you have also received a spiritual gift. And so as one who has received a gift, God gave it to us to use. And so he wants us to be these good stewards that are taking the thing or things that he's given to us and using it, and it says that we're to serve one another with it. So there's this sharing amongst each other, and there's a couple examples here. Uh, whoever speaks is one that speaks the oracles of God. It's the message that came from God, hopefully, that we, that we speak to each other. And whoever serves, and that covers everything, doesn't it? Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So God gives us the strength for everything we do as believers and for using this gift that he's given us. And so we may feel incompetent, and that, that's not always a, a bad feeling unless it makes us not use the gift that God has given us. It's truly from God. He will give us the power to use it. And the goal is not so that I look good, that I sound good, that people think good thoughts about me. The goal is right there, in bold there, that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's the goal. God gave us gifts so that he would be glorified and he would be thanked and praised. So here, here's the picture, and we're going we're gonna to add it layer by layer here. And the first verse that I want to call out here with this picture is that God, his divine power, has granted us, granted to all, things that pertain to life and godliness. So God has given each one of us everything that pertains to our life, our day-to-day -day life, and to godliness. So everything we need, both for our natural life and for our spiritual life, for being like God, which is what godliness means. And God has given it to us. So there's, there's the picture. Uh, God is the source of everything, but he's given things to us. So there's you and me on there. And there's a, a picture of time, a gift. Money is on there. Um, our money says in the United States, it says in God we trust, but the money per se isn't manufactured by God, but he gives us the ability to get it and trade with it. So everything we have comes from God. And so that's the beginning of our perspective when we think about stewardess, stewardship is to realize that it all came from God. But he's given it to us, and we have decisions to make around it, and that's where the stewardship comes in. We're making decisions on behalf of somebody else. So it matters what he wants us to do with it, doesn't it? 
And so we have options. And here's the next part of the picture. So we can, we can look at these things that God has given us and we can say, oh, I can use this to achieve my goals. You know, my security, I can build up some security with this. I can, I can have fun with this. I can make plans. All these things I can do with what God has given me. And you know, it says God, one translation of, of one of the verses says, God has given us everything richly to enjoy. It's not his intent that we're, you know, not enjoying these things that he's given. So I don't want to imply that as we talk through this, that God has not intended for us to enjoy the things he's given us. He has. He's given it to us for his glory, though. So everything that we enjoy, we can enjoy for his glory. We can give him thanks back for all that we have. So there, I don't know if you can see that very well, but we can put it in a coffee can and bury it. That's essentially what it's like. The story is told about a, a man, and I, I guess, you know, if I start out a story and say the story is told, that's a pretty good indication that it's not verified, and in this case, it's probably not true at all because it's got some theological problems with it. But a man became very wealthy, but he was a, a miser because he liked his money. So he, he just hoarded his money. But he was a, a Christian, so he prayed to God and he said, you know, I've poured all my life into all these riches, and I'd like to take it with me. Can I bring it with me to heaven? And God said, no, it doesn't work that way. You can't take it with you. Haven't you ever heard that? And he's like, well, I've worked really hard for this, and it's really precious to me. Can I just bring some of it? And here's where we get on shaky ground here. But God said, okay, you can bring one suitcase full of whatever you want. So he went back and he thought about it, and he thought, well, United States currency probably doesn't hold much weight in heaven, but what gold will use the gold standard. So he filled the suitcase with gold, and he kept it with him all the time because he didn't know when he was going to go. And one night when he was sleeping, he died, and he showed up at heaven. Here's, here's the next theological issue. But anyway, Peter is there standing at the gate. He says, well, welcome. Uh, you can't bring the suitcase with you. Well, yeah, God said I could bring one suitcase of whatever I wanted. It's like, no, that's, that's not the standard. You can't take it with you. Haven't you ever heard that? And he's like, go check with God. He said I could. So Peter goes and he checks with God. God said, yeah, we, we made an exception for him. We, he really wanted to bring something with him. So Peter's going back and he comes up to this man. He says, so I'm really curious to see what it is that was so awesome that you wanted to bring to heaven with you. And the man proudly opens a suitcase full of gold bars. And Peter looks at it, he says, you brought pavement? <laughs> See, God's a rich God. <laughs> he uses that stuff like pavement in heaven. And so God doesn't really need our stuff. In the Psalms it says the whole earth is the Lord's, and all the richness of it belongs to him. And he says, if I needed something, would I ask you for it? He doesn't really need what we have, so that's not what it's about. It's not about enriching God. So I'm just going to read through this parable that Jesus told. The reference is there, it's in Matthew 25, and I'll read through it, starting in verse 14. 
It says, for it, meaning the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. See, it, it came from God. He's entrusted it to us. This is a story about stewardship. To one, he gave five talents. To each, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. So in the verse we read before, it referred to God's varied grace. And God has shown us all the same grace in salvation. We were all sinners at the same unfit level as each other. He showed us the same grace to save us from that by the blood of Jesus through faith in his name to save us. And we've all received that grace if we put our trust in Jesus for salvation. But there is a varied grace that God gives us, and he gives each of us different gifts. Just like in this story, there was five, uh, one, two, different numbers of talents, and each one of us has a different gift because God knows that we need to need each other. And your gift is something that I don't have in my life, but I need it in my life. And I can only get it from you by God's grace. And so this man, he went away on his journey and he gave each a different talent. And he says, he had, it says in verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the t two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents, for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. So we'll stop there, but you see what happened, and we're starting, I, I understand, on the negative, but he said, I went and hid your talent in the ground. He knew it was God's talent. That's a good starting place, but going and, and hiding it in the ground, investing it in things that won't bring fruit, it's like having you know, seed to plant corn, but you just leave it in the bag, or you leave it in the barn, or you leave it on the shelf. You don't put it into the ground. You don't use it. It doesn't bring abundance. And we'll see a little bit later some of the abundance that God wants to bring out of the things that he's given us to use for him. And so I don't recommend that option <laughs> of spending it on ourselves and our own interests 
but to spend it on the things that God has set before us to spend it on. And his word, you know, the, the subject of giving is, is very prominent in the Bible. There's, we're going to read several verses from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and those whole, two whole chapters talk specifically about giving and specifically about giving to the poor. But God, all the way back to the Levitical law, the time of Moses, that law, God had an expectation that of everything that we received, that we would give back. And, and here, we, I've got a few things on here that we can target to give back. The, the poor, there's a, a, a lot said in the Word of God about how we are to give to the poor. And there's, a, there's the church. There's the things that allow us as a body of believers to come together and enjoy one another's gifts and be built up together. And then there in the middle, I don't know if you can see it very well, but that's a picture of Nick when he grows out his beard. But let's read those verses in 2 Corinthians 9 because chapters 8 and 9 are full of teaching on this subject. And I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So a few things I want to point out here in what we read. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. If you go back to the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he talks a little bit about this too. There were, there were a lot of poor Christians in Jerusalem who were in need. They needed food, they needed shelter, they were displaced, and they had a great need. And so there was this general collection of money, and, and one of the things Paul says there is, don't wait till I come to bring this gift back to them, but start setting aside, he says, every first day of the week, set it aside at home. And here it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad making a comment one time to me, and um, I guess for a little context of this, I didn't really realize it at the time, and I think maybe I've mentioned this before, but I went back and I looked at where we were at income-wise, because I, I know, you know what my dad was making at the time, and we were below the poverty level. And so I was a teenager, I had a job, and when the offering would come around, I'd you know, reach in my wallet, and if I had something there, I'd pull something out. And, you know, it was kind of a, a quick decision, and I didn't always probably have my priorities reflected right in that. But my dad made a comment one time, and I don't know if he had, had witnessed this in me, but he said, you know, you shouldn't wait until the offering comes around to decide what you're going to put in it. So you should have that money out and ready to go when the offering comes. And that aligns with this. It's something that we decide in our heart, and if you look at the principles of the tithe in the Old Testament, it's the first fruits. So God's portion comes first. That's the first budget category that we need to create. 
is what are we going to give? And then in here, it talks about the poor, like I mentioned before. And we'll, we'll see in another passage. Well, I'll wait and talk about what we're going to see there until we look at that one. <laughs> but what we've decided in our heart, and not because somebody stood up Sunday morning and said, you should give, not under compulsion or force, for God loves a cheerful giver. And it shouldn't be reluctant either. So there's another story that I heard one time about this man that he gave reluctantly and kind of under compulsion and he really liked his money and he didn't really want to part with it. But one Sunday he, he you know, with everything he had, he brought a $20 bill because he thought that was pretty generous. And so he put his $20 bill in there and he told everybody about it. So I put in a $20 bill this week. That was a big deal for him. And so he left church, and he's walking home, and he sees a $20 bill in the grass beside the sidewalk. And he got so excited. He said, oh, God rewarded me. And he was so excited, he picked it up, and he ran back to the church, and the first person he saw was the pastor. He said, look, I put in a $20 bill. I told you that. And God was so pleased that he gave it back. And the pastor said, you know, I think probably God saw what a big deal it was and how reluctant you were. And he said, you know, I really don't need your money. And so he changed the perspective of that man. He was giving it reluctantly. He felt com uh, compelled. He felt forced to give this money. And whether God put the $20 bill for that reason or another reason, I don't know. But the point is, we're supposed to be giving cheerfully, not reluctantly, not being forced. And it's to every good work, it says at the end of verse 8, so that we can abound in every good work. And, and there are many good works in this world that go towards spreading the gospel, towards feeding the poor, sheltering the poor. And we can't all do it, right? We can't all travel all over the world and take care of the needs. We can't all travel even in our own city and take care of all the needs. But there are people who are using their gifts to do that. And they usually need money to do that. And so God has really blessed us in, a, in this day and age where it's extremely easy to support those kind of works. Um, another verse here in Galatians 6, verse 6, it says, Let the one who is taught in the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So that in the middle there is a, the picture of a, a teacher. And that's not talking about somebody like me that has a, a full-time job and a steady income and puts some time into teaching God's Word. It's talking about somebody who's committed their life to it. That's their life's work, is the service of the church and the teaching of God's Word. And the expectation is that when we are ministered to by somebody who's poured their life into our spiritual well-being, that we in turn take the things that we have the good things that we have and share those with those who teach. And so there, there are different ways that we can give our money to God. It's not just all necessarily in the offering that comes around Sunday morning, but there are many opportunities. Okay, so let's continue on this circle, this picture, and I've added this person giving praise to God. And so staying right here in, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, it says... This is after 
we've taken what God has given to us and we've invested it into his work. It says you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So the goal here, the outcome here is when we give, we meet the needs of others. When those others receive a gift, they give praise and thanksgiving to God because a need has been met. And we've all been there one way or another where we've had a need, whether it was financial or we just needed help with a problem we had or we need, had a spiritual need. We've all been there where God came in and he used somebody else to meet a need that we had. And what do we do? We give thanks to God. Now, um, another thing to, to, that I found interesting here when I was reading the Old Testament pattern of tithing was that the, the Levites, they were the full-time servants of God. And they were supposed to receive a good part of the tithe that the Israelites brought. And then it specifically says the Levites are also to take what they receive and give a tithe to God. So there's no scenario here of givers and takers. There's givers and givers. So everything that flows continues to flow, and it should flow to the glory and thanksgiving of God. And this is where we've gone all the way around the circle, and that thanksgiving has gone up to God, who is the source of everything that we have, and now there is the windows of heaven, and there's a, that's a cornucopia, because I wasn't sure how else to, to show an abundance of blessing that God was going to show out. And it's coming up on Thanksgiving. You, can, you get candy corns and stuff are showing up now, and, and a nice orange pumpkin on our, on our front, by our front door. So get us in the season of Thanksgiving. That's a, a great season. But Malachi 3.10, and I pulled out, we're going to read more than just this, but I pulled this out. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Our God is okay with us testing him. That's what it says here. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. So let's see what he was talking about. We're going to read Malachi 3, verse 10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So tithe... A lot of times we use that word, and, and when we say tithe, we think it's what we give to the church. Tithe is just another word that means a tenth. So give the full, bring the full tenth into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And this is the Lord speaking. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see that? A tithe is a tenth. And really, God's given us everything we have. And he set this guideline in the Old Testament of a tenth. So a tenth of what God gives me, he asked me to give back there. It's only a tenth. 
But God says, bring the full tithe into my storehouse. And sometimes we, we read that verse, we say, you know, it says, prove me. The Lord says, test me and see if I won't pour out a blessing. Open the windows of heaven and pull out, pour out a blessing. And sometimes we don't catch the first part of that uh, promise because it's the conditional promise. And we, we think, well, I can just go to God anytime and ask him to pour out a blessing on every, whatever I decide to do. Well, he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And what belongs to God, we need to give to God. And he's going to make sure that we're not going to miss out on anything by giving to him. Now, sometimes it, it's uncomfortable, you know, and sometimes we, when we give, we might have other ideas for what we would like to do with that money. But God's not going to let us miss out. And it, it doesn't just apply to our money either. You know, we, we have time, we have talents, our gifts. We talked about using our gifts for God, and all of those things go into that. There was a, a missionary here a couple of years ago that I, I was impressed by his story because he was a golfer, and he was playing golf in college, um, and he loved golf. But then at some point as an adult, he got saved, and he wanted to become a missionary, and he felt God calling him to Turkey. And he did a little research and he found out that there are no golf courses in Turkey. <laughs> and so that, that was a, a hard decision for him. But he made the decision that he was going to give up golf and go to Turkey. Well, after he had been there a while, one of the royalty, I'm pretty sure this was Turkey, one of the royalty there came to him and said, uh, I understand you're a golfer. He said, yeah. He said, well, I want to build a golf course in Turkey. And I need somebody to tell me how to build a golf course and to teach me and my friends how to play golf. So guess what? <laughs> this man that gave up golf to follow God's call to Turkey where there was no golf became the, probably the first golf instructor in Turkey. And he got to sit there and teach people at the driving range and give them the gospel while he taught them to golf. So this is just, that's just, you know, an example. It's not going to work out that way every time, but God, God's not going to be in debt to you. And so we can fully and freely give to God. And then I, I just want to read this other verse too and look because it, it tells me what God's heart is to us. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So I'm a, I like ice cream, and I've been to places where you can serve your own ice cream, and I'm pretty good at making sure that in an ice cream cone, you know, it's got all those little compartments in the bottom. When I fill my ice cream cone, it's all the way down to the bottom of the ice cream cone with ice cream. And it goes as high as I can get it. You know, it's kind of a balancing act because if you get it too full, it'll fall off and you lose it all. So I can maximize the ice cream I get on an ice cream cone pretty well. That's what God's saying. You give... I'm going to shake it down, press it together, uh, fill it up. It's going to be running over, filling your lap with blessing. 
Because the measure that you give is the measure to which I'll give back to you. That's the kind of God we serve. If we get that idea that my toys belong to God, we'll also get the idea that God lets us play with his toys. And his blessing, we can't say it enough, we can't outgive God, whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, whether it's your money, your treasure, you can't outgive what God wants to do for you. So, that's the message for the, the main part. I told you we were going to talk through a picture, so we're done with that picture. And I just want to do a little case study again. And this is from 1 Kings 17. We're not going to read it to you. I'm just going to kind of give you the summary of the story. Elijah, you've probably all heard of Elijah. There was a time when he called down a drought in Israel. And so there was no rain. And he said, and I think Nick talked about this a couple weeks ago when he was talking about prayer. Elijah prayed that it would not rain until it was time, until the people's hearts turned back to God. So there was a drought. And Elijah himself, God sent him near this brook, and he sent ravens bringing bread to him. And so Elijah had food. But as the drought went on, there was less and less food. And in the same land, there was a widow woman who had a son. And she came to the bottom of her flour supply and her oil supply. And she went out to gather some sticks to make a fire to bake a loaf of bread. And while she was out there gathering the sticks, Elijah came up to her and said, Ma'am, make me a loaf. Make me a cake of bread. I'm hungry and I need food. And she said, well, I am out here getting some sticks to cook my very last handful of flour and use my very last bit of oil to make bread for me and my son. And then after that, we're just going to die because there's nothing left. This is all we have left. Elijah said, trust me on this. Go ahead and make me a loaf of bread. And God will see to it that your flour and your oil don't run out. So she did. She, she took the bread that was going to be for her and her son, and she gave it to the prophet of God. Well, Elijah then lived there, and they had flour, and they had oil, all the rest of the drought until the rain came and the crops came up again. That handful of oil and that little bit of oil, or handful of flour and that little bit of oil that she had lasted that entire time. On top of that, there was a time where her son became sick and died. And because Elijah was there, Elijah interceded to God for her, and God gave the life of her child back. So not only did she get flour and oil that lasted throughout the drought and throughout that time of need, but there was also additional blessing in the life of her son that was saved. So, just another example of how God provided, because sometimes we read those Old Testament stories and, and we forget that they are true history. That really happened, and God took care of that lady because she was obedient to his word through the man of God. So, the band is going to come back up, and we're going to take the bread and the juice in remembrance of what the Lord Jesus did for us. You know, we've been talking about giving, and, and it's one thing to, 
to see God as creator creating us and creating a beautiful world that we can live in. And, you know, we can look outside and enjoy things he's made. We can look inside and enjoy the, the people that he's made. We can see the creativity that he's given people. And we are blessed by that. But that's not the full extent of God's giving to us. And this verse, which also comes from those two chapters I was talking about, gives us the foundation, the example, the basis for how we should give. And Paul takes a little time out there and he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might be rich. So Jesus was God the Son in past eternity, and he had all the glory of God, and he set that down and became a man, a little baby. He became poor. Not only that, but he went to the cross and he was made sin for you and for me. He bore my sins in his own body on the cross. He was, even as a man, he was perfect and sinless. But he went into great poverty to the point of being made sin, which for God is an unthinkable thing to be made sin. And so, why did he do it? So that we would be rich before God. So this morning, we can come into the presence of God. We remember what Jesus has done for us. That's the basis for our stewardship. That's the basis for our giving. That's the basis for our love. Is the love that God showed toward us in Jesus. And those two chapters in Second Corinthians end up with this statement. It says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. His indescribable gift, Jesus. His gift to us, eternal life. We have that life today, and it's through the cross. And so as we take the bread and take the juice, remember that God has given you and that Jesus has given you a gift that we can't even describe. Let's give thanks for it this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving to us life. Thank you for setting aside your great riches, becoming poor for us, going into poverty to make us rich. Just pray that as we realize that and that we realize that you are the source of all blessing in our life and every abundance that we have in our life, that we would freely loosen our grip on everything that we have and allow you to use who we are, what we have for your glory. And as we receive this gift from one another too, that we would just give thanks and give glory, not just to each other, but to you, the source of every blessing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This week is pretty simple. Enjoy playing with God's toys. Give thanks when others share them with you. 
and bring glory to God in doing so. Have a good week. We'll sing one more song.